bike, steamy bike, burning your legs with steam. Today on Ice to Spice You, I talked to some Las Vegas locals and fellow sound designers Gabe Romero and Dan Glynn. Both gentlemen started as circus musicians for Ringling, and both are currently sound designers for Konami Casino Games. In today's episode, we talk about the modularity of music, RVs, inflatable head spikes, and Dan and Gabe's band Greybag, and their freshly released album Never Meant to Stay. Let's listen. Myself doing that? <laughs> well, okay, so uh, my guests today are uh, Gabe Romero and Dan Glenn. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, perfect. So, like, I, Gabe, I met you first uh, because I just messaged you through LinkedIn uh, and said, uh, How do I become a sound designer in Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, most people in this industry, you're actually, like, really forthcoming with, like, Yeah, you just talk about, you know, I sent you some work and shit and. Yeah. You were like, that's cool, and then th- this is like this, and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, I just live down the street. Let's go to the Blue Ox or whatever. Mm. And then we've just kind of been hanging out ever since. Um, and then obviously I met Dan through Gabe. Uh, so you, uh, your careers are sort of intertwined. Uh, you both ran off and joined the circus. Um, you're both now sound designers for Konami here in Vegas. Uh, and you uh, are in a band called Grey Bag, and you just released your full album called Never Meant to Stay, uh, which I ordered on Bandcamp, and <laughs> I got here. Gabe was like, "Here's your, here's your record." Uh, <laughs> he goes, "Do you want, you want the shipping back?" <laughs> I saw that. I was oh, like, that's cool. Oh man. <laughs> no, I don't have to wait for the UPS guy to destroy this. This is nice. Just general kind of broad strokes. Uh, the sentence I have here is, how did each of you get your start in music, and why did you do that to yourself? Who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know who wants to go first. You should do it, Dan. Um, well, my so growing up, both of my parents were like, they weren't professional musicians by any means, okay. but they, uh, they played instruments, and they always encouraged us to either, you know, learn piano or something like that. So yeah. <clears throat> that was how that started just yeah. at an early age just you know playing violin and violin okay. guitar oh i should say that you're primarily a bass player a bit primarily yeah gave is a piano player mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um so then you know anything that came about like people are like hey uh so you want to start a band or you know just some random stuff that happens yeah. when you're as you're growing up yeah so. Oh, and where are you originally from? Sorry. I'm from New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. Okay. I, gotcha. Yeah. I spent uh, like a little bit of my life in Vermont. Okay. And then moved to New Hampshire. Okay. So you started on violin. Between that and like, I guess the period I'm looking for is like up until joining uh, uh, Ringling. And I guess that's a lot of time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a lot <laughs> of time. Just broad strokes, yeah, that's, you know. That's okay. Yeah. So all throughout high school, I just had like five bazillion bands like playing with whoever I could possibly mm-hmm. play with. And then you know, went to college and I started as a biology major. Okay. And just to, you know, I figured that I couldn't really make it as a musician. So I'm like, well, biology, that makes sense, right? Yeah. And then after like the first year, I'm like, I cannot do biology. It's not going to work. But immediately switched over to music and yeah. it was much happier. Yeah. yeah. That's how they get you. Yes. It's exactly. more satisfying. It's more immediate. Uh, God, my tone sounds really good. It's like, not like <laughs> I don't know what cells are made of. <laughs> what are biologists talk about? 
but yeah, so it was more of the same throughout college, just, you know, learning music and yeah. playing at like absolutely anywhere that I could possibly play. Mm-hmm. If they were musicals or people wanted to look, you know, a bass player for bands or whatever, it was mm-hmm. anything I yeah. needed to play for. Yeah. For whatever reason, it was just, I had to do it. You're a hustler. Yeah. Like so many bass players. So I graduated and I'm like, well, what do I do now? So I went to cruise ships mm-hmm. uh, and that only lasted uh, four months. Okay. <laughs> and then I, yeah. I gave up on it. Uh, <laughs> Did you not dig the lifestyle kind of thing or was it? Um, I kind of felt like being, st- I was stuck like okay. on the ship at all yeah. times. Well, it's your whole life. Is the, the, You don't feel rooted anywhere, which is like a dream come true for some people. But yeah. You are, and now it's just the re- the rest of the podcast, just me talking about cruise ships. <laughs> no, but, but it's like, uh, you're not, it's, yeah, it's the same thing every day. You're not rooted anywhere. You don't have, like, you want to just like do normal people shit. Like, yeah. But like, you can't just say, see you guys later. Yeah. Like, you're on yeah. that ship. Yeah, like, exactly. That's you're trapped what, in an, yeah. in an off. It's like, it's like working on <clears throat> if the Konami building was floating was around the yeah, ocean yeah. and you guys had a crew bar in it. Yeah. <laughs> So then after cruise ships kind of like ended up, I mean like that's, and that's a similar gig. It's like you're traveling doing the circus thing. I mean, yeah. Um, so, uh, cruise ships. And then I did a national tour of the wedding singer, the musical. Oh, okay. How long did you do that? Probably like six months, something okay. like that. As always, it's like, so go do cruise ships, come back home and like, just do random stuff. Like work at restaurants, go do this, this tour, come back, work at restaurants, do yeah, random yeah. stuff. So I moved down to Connecticut for the summer and I was just working at like a UPS store and I saw in, I think it was like Playbill, an audition for Ringling Brothers. Okay. Uh, And it was an audition in Coney Island. I drove, it was like my first experience like driving through New York, which Mm. was like completely insane. And I'm going like, I'm like all tweaked out because (laughs) I have to do this audition for the circus and Yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. Just like pulled up to the the lot, and it's all like muddy and oh, like yeah. RVs everywhere. And I pictured like like the I don't know like American Horror Story, like the like the actual carnival. Like you're pulling up to like that stripy spot. tents. Yeah, but, that that was like legit tent. You know, for two months. I was gonna say like they must just audition people when they're on their regular setup. So it's like yeah, they don't have like I mean, do they have like a headquarters somewhere or? There Probably is, there. but it. I've never, like the times we've auditioned folks, like yeah. since I've been on the road, has been like people show up to the gig, yeah, and audition, yeah, okay. and it's usually friends of friends. Like that was kind of a, an outlier that it was even any posting in Playbill, yeah, but uh, like <clears throat> it seemed like towards towards the end of uh, that first wave of uh, Ringling's existence, like towards the end, they were just putting out. You know, when you open say, auditions. When you, we'll come back to the first wave thing, maybe. But well, yeah. no, just we'll just follow the follow the whatever. What, what do you mean first wave? Like, well, was, because it 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 started back up. Ringling started touring again uh, in September. Of and that's a year? new show this year. This or, year or past, you know, twenty twenty three. But okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's a different show. Like, there's there's no band or anything. Yeah. It's it's all. Tape. There's some elements that are are live. Like there's a there's a musician, but he's like a cast member. Yeah. Um. But he's he's playing, you know. And, yeah. You know. But, well, it's like what Cirque did. It's they all yeah. everything in Vegas. They all 
did that. Uh, so then you're driving. You're it's it's a muddy tenty area. <laughs> it's a, yeah, yeah, it's muddy and tenty. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so we walk into the tent, and he's like just showing me around. He's like, "Oh, this is you know the pie car, which is where you can get food." And as I'm standing there, like an elephant walks through the back of the tent. <laughs> it's like my, I was hoping it'd be something yeah, like that. Like my first time seeing an elephant, I'm like. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> the same day you drove through New York for the first time, you it, saw yeah. an elephant for the first time. Yeah. It's like after your audition, Dan. Like, mm. how did you feel? Like, oh, this did is you, good. Did this you good. feel like you you were like, yeah, I think I think I got this? Or... I, I am not really sure yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, like they just <clears> set the chart down in front of you, and there's like you know that you're in the bandstand, the drummer's there. There's an like, elephant I, watching you yeah. over, your, over your shoulder. Yeah, there's a, a clown comes like, and turns the page for you, <laughs> poking you in the eyeball. <laughs> and, yeah. So Steve was like, yeah, you actually, uh, you, you played that probably better than I did. And you just saw it. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah. It was like this like crazy six, eight thing where it was like, like I don't even remember just what obscene bass fill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They put the hardest shit in front of you on yeah. purpose. Yeah. I had to do it. Like I was playing like a classical guitar. Like I was using like all of my, <laughs> all of my fingers on, <laughs> on my right hand to pluck. But yeah, it, it it was all just just kind of happened after yeah after that point. It wasn't then, like I I didn't really have an idea as to like okay I did it now right right yeah it's yeah. gonna happen yeah yeah so then yeah and then you were with them for how long like and what year was that when you started with Ringling? Uh, two thousand eleven, twelve, ten. Okay, it was so quick like we had two or three people in total two or three and then it was like what do you guys feel about uh who auditioned and and it was like well the other kid didn't talk much and like dan actually like talked that's surprising because I'm basically socially <laughs> an idiot. Well, that's the thing. I think that's the thing. We, yeah, but we, we all were, are. Like by yeah. comparison to each other, though, it's like you're probably you know. <laughs> that, we're all fucking introverted. That, like that weirdos. band, though, we're all like goofballs on that particular yeah. band. So that's I, probably why, because you guys were very like. Like I remember you being like super friendly and you started. Was it is what's the actual gig like? Is it like are you memorizing charts? Is there? I don't know. Are they sh- separate shows or is it like, is it one big routine that you do all in one night and then that's the whole thing every night all the time or? Yeah. So it's, it's the same show every night, but yeah. uh, certain portions of the like timings and stuff can change okay. because yeah. it's live. Yeah. So you just kind of have to yeah go wherever things go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be the same thing every yeah. night. Yeah. We'd yeah. have like some like backup plans for acts that yeah. are injured or, um, uh, there's a there was a few I don't remember if we did this while you were on the show but we would play things in a different key for uh a, a backup ringmaster did we ever do that I don't think so yeah. no I don't remember like transposing anything we'd but... have like an understudy and sometimes it would be like completely rework of the production numbers and oh, fucking just just everybody the whole thing <clears throat> revolves around what fucking key the singer yeah. can go in and everybody else has to just scramble but we were no also offense like, singers but fuck you <laughs> get, get good so it's just the same is it the same routine but then you just have like <laughs> there'd be different like band uh feature yeah it was teams. like the big like production numbers so yeah. they'd have like yeah like during christmas we'd be you know it was super Christmas magic explosion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, extravaganza. Yeah. Spectacular. <laughs> Spectacular. Fourth of July spectac. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, when you started how long? How long were you with Ringling? Collectively, 
about 15 years, I yeah. think. So you started how much before Dan? I started in December of 1999. Yes, okay. And yep. went until 2006 on the Red Show, which was like the buy, buy the train, play all the crazy big cities. and Yeah. Yeah. That, that was more akin to a uh, cruise ship. Yeah. Because you were locked on that train when it was moving and you right. weren't, weren't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, then that brings me to my <clears throat> RV question with both of you. So, my impression so far has been that you both, like, they offer you lodgings on a train, right? Like, that you don't have to buy an RV two, necessarily? Well, or The two big shows were by train. Okay. And then the gold show, which we both were on, mm. uh, it was a one-ring show that would play, like, the, the smaller markets. Okay. And the places where the oh, rails okay. were too expensive or, or didn't reach. And that was truck and trailer. That okay. was like roll your own. You're either in the hotel or you're doing the but they RV like, thing. They give you the option of a hotel. Yeah. Huh? It's, I, I feel like there was always something wrong with the RV. Yeah. Like either like you had to reseal things because it was leaking or mm. like just, you know, random stuff like the. My awning at one point as I was driving, it was through like Kansas, just came out and it was like flapping oh, like, <laughs> like a giant sail as I'm Jesus. going 70 miles an hour. Did you realize highway. right away? Or I did. Okay, yeah. good. It was, yeah, it was like super loud and frightening. So I basically just ripped the thing off <laughs> and like jammed yeah. <laughs> it inside my RV and kept going. <laughs> like you have to, they give you the schedule, they give you where they're going to be when. Mm-hmm. Are you like looking up RV camps? Oh, yeah. Near mm-hmm. there kind of thing. And then Ch- yeah. kind of planning like it, it, the cool thing about that was you can kind of plan scene stuff, you know. That's yeah. But then you're on a road trip for like six years. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it, it actually is isn't as tiring as it sounds okay. like it would be because that, okay. that was actually one of my first questions for Robbie. I was like, it seems like it's the most tiring job ever. Yeah. Like you're mm. constantly traveling and yeah. you're having to like deal with all of these like repairs or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> as soon as you get out there, it's kind of like you're just on vacation and getting paid for it. And yeah. Being able to play, it was amazing. There's only a few really big drives. Like yeah. usually, you were able to knock it out in a day. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, what's the circuit like? Where, what areas? It did changed. you do the same thing? Oh, changed. Okay. Uh, it, I mean, for the most part, it was the same tour every year. Okay. Which is different than the bigger shows because those were like two-year tours. Okay. So you can kind of plan your year out. Yeah. And it would kind of line up with some of those cities were always around the same time. That's like, kind of nice, man. Like it's oh, just yeah, the freedom. Com- I'm just comparing it to cruise ships where you're just trapped on this big boat that they you know you have to go where they go obviously but yeah like you can go up, split off and then come back and do that a lot yeah that sounds nice um you you're always able to kind of plan your summer and your uh yeah you know fall it was usually in the pacific northwest and it's a good variety i guess yeah. is like what the key there is i think our show saw a lot more cornucopia of the u.s than okay. say the big shows because the big shows were playing big markets yeah, and so you were you were playing like the Dallas and yeah, New okay. York City. And, yeah, yeah. And then we would go to like Bend, Oregon, and be like, "We're in beer country. This is fantastic." <laughs> yeah. So like you know, we played Tupelo, Mississippi. Okay. You know, or like yeah, uh, never heard of it. That means it's probably the birthplace pretty of cool. Elvis. How dare no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, share <laughs> you. Okay. Well, that's uh, the Sorry to my father-in-law, who's big big Elvis fan. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> what the hell did we play in Alabama again? Greenbow. 
That's not Rainbow. a real place. That's not a real place. I didn't know that was a real city it until I met real. my wife. <laughs> I was like, where's Greenbow? And she's like, <laughs> I was like, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> anyway. It's, I think Mobile. Mobile sounds right. As far as your workload, like, are you, how, what's the ratio of traveling to just playing? Our tour is very, or was very light. Where the big show would do like 14 shows a week, we would have seven. Nice. Or, like a big week would be 10, maybe? Yeah, where we'd have to, like, if we had yeah. to play a show on, like, Wednesday and, like, yeah. two on Saturday. and you have, like, two days just to get there and then do whatever and then... Usually it was, like, three days. Three days, okay. There. And the drive was, like, one day. Okay. So you'd have two days of, hey, I'm going to go... Which makes see sense. this cave. Or, yeah. you know, I'm going to go to these <laughs> falls. Or, caves of America. Yeah. <laughs> we love caves. Yeah. A lot of spelunking. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe and I just with our headlamps. <laughs> I already thought you were interesting, and now I'm just, it's over the top. <laughs> You're like, let's go to Wilkes-Barre and stay for anthracite. <laughs> what, if you, were, if you were to share a story, perhaps a mutual story, on a podcast about working for Ringling Brothers Circus, I keep saying Ringling, but it's also Barnum and Bit. Didn't they merge at one yeah, point? Yeah, at one point the marketing changed and it became just... Ringling. The the name of your band, Grey Bag, is named after yeah. uh, an RV. So explain what a Grey Bag after is. After an RV. Well, after an <clears throat> element, a, an, a, a, an aspect of the RV. It's a, a spot in an RV to plug in a hose. And if you're in a place where you can, you can just kind of dump gray water, like the shower and sink water. So not what Cousin Eddie in... Uh, uh, Christmas the, vacation yeah, yeah. was pouring into the yeah. <laughs> some some spots that we would play would not have you know a place for us to do that. God, th- that uh, that story alone makes me never want an RV. Th- actually, I miss doing that yeah? a lot. Yeah, there's some <laughs> there's something like liberating about saying, you know what, fuck this, I'm packing everything <laughs> up and driving down. Oh, that yeah, yeah yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, now you have Starlink too, so the, now yeah. you can fucking oh, get Wi Fi everywhere. Now. I would have so. loved to have done Ringling oh, now. Yeah. God. Uh, our specific tour would give us these. Uh, they basically just hold liquid. It's like a little kiddie pool. And then they would bring in like a truck to like empty that stuff out. Uh, but, but you the, would leave it somewhere. Like it it would be like by to the side of your RV, okay. you know. And there'd be oh, like, oh, like at a park or something, the, they would come by. Is that no, no? Yeah, kind of. If you think who's like, coming by, <laughs> like, like how a, do they know where you are? Sewage truck, you know. Okay, all right. with them. I, d- I have no clue of this infrastructure. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. So it's crazy to me. Depending on like what there's part a of guy the... that comes and gets your shitty <laughs> water. By, there's a guy. He just comes by with a ladle. <laughs> with a hump. That's, that's ladle gray bag Billy. And then he sells it. He sells it. He bottles it. Calls it Ringling Swill. And he can sell anything on the internet. This is Ringmaster Bathwater. <laughs> Ringmaster Bathwater. Ringmaster Bathwater. So that's where the that's the origin. That term of that. gray bag is, gray is bag. the bag, you know, where you. But it also it's not. I don't want this to come off as an insult because it is like. Well, so that's why your music sounds like that. No, yeah, yeah. But it's no, like, it is why. But it is. <laughs> but you, it is an apt name because it, your the music. It's the album called again. Shit. Um, uh, never meant to stay. Ray Bag Billy's uh, another another amazing uh, title that that kind of speaks to both of your uh, collective careers together. 
uh, when you're nomad kind of lifestyle. Uh, it's good. It's good shit. It's very Thanks, bluesy. Man. It's very uh, um, gritty. I guess is the uh, gritty. Some grit on it. Some grit on it. We, were, we recorded in in those RVs. So did you? Just some grit. Yeah, most of that stuff was yeah, done. Yeah, the majority of on it, parking yeah. on parking lots on the album. On, yeah. <laughs> okay. Shit. So and then this is this is so you're digging back through years of recordings yeah and putting in this album together most of the stuff was in 2015 maybe Damn. some of it in 2014 yeah right? it was all around the same time because like I, I basically never share my music with anyone so i was getting into the habit like when i'd go into like a an arena i'd be like okay i'm just gonna record something on this little like four track recorder in the arena like in the space oh, and then i decided to send it to gabe and he's like Hey, let's you know, let's start playing the stuff. And yeah, then, yeah. Like, are they mostly your songs or like both? Or Dan will write like he'll he would send like like you playing ukulele or guitar. Yeah. And... So, so yeah, some of them were like some of them were more fleshed out. Like yeah. the uh, I can't remember the name of the song. The bing ding ding bong. Oh, bing, ding. birds and fish. Yeah, the was birds like and all the, Dan. The birds yeah. and the fish. Like that one was ready to go like and, all uh, you playing all the instruments kind it, of thing. Yeah, yeah and okay. the uh all the other stuff was like because i'm i'm just playing in this four track recorder in some random arena yeah i either have like a ukulele or i'm like you know sitting in the bathroom at the truck stop and like yeah. <laughs> and just singing in the that's the thing or that's, whatever so. that's how yeah. the best art is made is under this weird pressure of like, <laughs> what was like the, scrambling to do something in you know? odessa didn't you record in like a mine shaft or Something. I did. One of those yeah. caves. Yeah, I recorded. It was like a, was like a mine an shaft oil uh, uh, drilling thing. It was yeah. like all made out of wood. So I like went in there and recorded wind sounds. And Dude, I love <laughs> yeah. that. That's that awesome. It was Weird. super cool. I loved it. Well, too. and then they, at that point, you're field recording. Like, yeah. yeah. So you and then so you're combining that with shit. Like, oh, were you playing an instrument in that space too, or were you just recording the space itself? Yeah, uh, basically recording the space yeah. at that point, and then manipulating it afterwards yeah. with like filters and stuff oh, to make it sound. I haven't like, actually listened but, to it yet, so now this is this is good because it's gonna yeah. hype me up to listen to it. But also like. You, Dan, you're like really open to just ar- me arranging stuff. Yeah, that like, was the, the, like the coolest yeah. thing about Gabe is I could just be like, "Here's this stupid thing that I wrote," <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he'll like fully form it into to like something like, you know with like horns and yeah. a nice arrangement that doesn't sound like you know nah. me farting in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a recording of me farting in a bathroom. Turn it into something. And make it a nice song, would you? I, I would always feel bad because like. Like you, if you would send me something, and then I would be like, "Man, this would be killer as like a completely different genre or like completely different thing." And right? I'm like, "God, what do you think about this, Dan? Like, it's great. Let's do it." <laughs> like, I don't want right. to like, ruin your, uh, you know, your artistic vision. No, right? I have no artistic uh, <laughs> in, 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 integrity or vision whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Dan Glenn has back. no no artistic no artistic <laughs> by our shit. You know, like. <laughs> no, I mean you know I've learned that in the past couple years, uh, just from learning music production and then sound design and then fucking yeah. implementation and middleware and all that shit is that it's okay to fucking bounce shit like work on something with somebody else and i feel like yeah, that's, that's where hard I've, to do well and i've found that because i went through jazz school and then i was a musician and then i came out here and did a master's degree and 
the whole time I'm like, I'm me. I'm myself is I'm the product. I'm always the product. I'm mm. responsible for what I put out into the world or whatever. And it's like, that's not how most of the world works. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not, you can't like kind of force yourself to be everything yeah. unless you're amazing. And some people do it, but it's like most people just, fucking collaborate find one other person uh, yeah. that you can collaborate with and i I, yeah. I find it very nice that you guys have found each other you know it, yeah well, I now, mean, now I, hug now hug each other <laughs> now, now, now kiss no, i i always enjoy doing stuff with with dan's like yeah we just we have fun doing but that's shit, but that's you know? awesome you made a, a record yeah. with somebody uh over the course of how many years while working at a circus, like yeah. not everybody, well, that's, that's an interesting factoid right there. I, if anything, I, I feel like if we had, if we had known that the show would close when it did, we probably would have done more or been more sure. proactive of completing that's everybody though. Uh-huh. That's everybody. Yeah. yeah it's always like it always feels like it's going to last yeah. forever. You know? Yeah, for sure. Back to like what you were saying about like getting into sound design and, yeah. learning all these things outside of being a musician <clears throat> like we, we all have that that same <clears throat> background you know yeah and when you messaged me mm. uh, initially right away what I, I wanted to convey to you and I don't know if I did well enough was that like the gig that we do was way more accessible than what like you thought you needed to be right and and so yeah. I, was, I, I was trying to like the stuff that you do, man. I'm like, wow, that's way overkill compared to like what we're doing over the like casino stuff is is kind of like uh, paint by numbers at this point, you right? Know? Right. And you're like redesigning stuff like with Foley, and I'm like, ah, oh, I want to do that. Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's the the state of where we are now. Like we're leaving. We're in 2024 right now as we record this. And last year was just in like AAA game development. Uh, I think there was over 6,000 layoffs. We're at this weird churning, shifting point in the industry right now, I think. It seems like for the stuff that we do, you're better off starting a business that just does sound design. Yeah. And selling the fact that you can provide the sound design plus the... Uh, Implementation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where, where the money would well, be. Well, and then I approached you like... And I'm already Canadian, so I'm already apologizing, right? So, but I approach you, and I'm like, I'm, sorry, I'm not trying to take your job. I'm not, you know, that's what it felt like. And it's not even like, how do I get your job? It's like, what should I be focusing on based on your yeah. industry expertise? It's like I don't want to spend all this time doing something that doesn't, you know, oh, net, a, net it, me anything. There's a lot of it that's just right place at right time too. yeah that's true too like what you're saying it's like that the other bass player dan that came mm-hmm. down to you and that guy it's like well the other guy didn't didn't i didn't like his vibe as much it's like <laughs> well he didn't th- talk <laughs> right yeah. yeah that's a pretty good like, vibe to go on huh. he just walks in with his bass and <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You're, that's all you're all day you gotta fucking deal with this guy but so. like I didn't get hired for the vibe or anything, you know. Like, that no, interview, but, if but, anything, I creeped out. Like uh, <laughs> when I got interviewed, it was the head of the department and then the other sound designer at that time because it was just the two of them. You creeped him out. Yeah, because I, I, they were like, "Hey, you're gonna, you're gonna meet with Kaz and Eric," and they copied them. And so I was like, "All right, I know their first and last name. Let's see what they did." And it was like, oh, Eric did a whole bunch of uh, like AAA stuff, and and Kaz did like tons of like uh, coin op. 
Okay. And some console stuff. And I talked to him about it, and they were instantly, like, uncomfortable. Oh, my God. Especially Kaz. And once that meeting was done, I was like, well, I didn't get the job. Because like, that's what I did before coming here tonight. And it's, I would be flattered by that. You know? They both I mean, were just like, what? They weren't, they weren't prepared for that. And... Uh, but it, then you still got the job. You, you know. I got the job, yeah. And I, I, so when I started initially, I wasn't getting a lot of heavy like work, you know, because they're like, oh, you got to, you know, learn the engine. This is a proprietary audio engine. I think the first uh, task I was given was to make a new card flip sound, and I took ten minutes and I said, here you go. And he's like, um, take your time, you know. I'm like, did you check it out? Is it bad? And he's like, no, but that that was really fast. I'm like, all right. I made like ten more. Here you go. <laughs> And so he played through and was like, oh, yeah, these are fine. Like, this is fine. This is fine. The first one was fine. But it, it quickly accelerated from there, you know. And I think it goes back to, like, the circus. Dan and I have kind of upper hand and, and Skippy as well. There's three of us from circus. Performance of circus music is modular. And so is game audio. You know, like, you're playing for an event that happens. And mm-hmm. you're, it's up to you to make that segue as seamless as possible. Mm-hmm. We're already kind of doing procedural music at that point so like the transition there was just kind of a few little things to get used to but it didn't take long to like get into the meat and potatoes of here's a full game you know the uh, slot machine if you were to like uh, take it at its core it's like you're gonna write music that happens sometimes during you know regular play but usually you're writing music for a feature that's like the big ta-da moment and you're creating like all the sound effects for you know when things occur which are often musical like so we think about sound effects yeah. like as in like you know someone's footsteps in a movie but like you, you know you're talking about like a, a square lighting up in a certain way and yeah. you hear tonal things that ascend or whatever like yeah the, the times that you're using just straight foley let's say there's like a firework right yeah and the firework like flies up on screen and reveals money yeah. Right. I, you won this money. Big win. Yeah. Line rocket sound effect. Like the, the yeah. stuff that you would be like, oh, it's it's a rocket. There's the whistle. There's an explosion. Yeah. You would do that, right? But depending on like what that is supposed to do, like that moment, say it's a mechanic of the game, right? Yeah, yeah. A positive mechanic of the game. The uh, person's not going to remember. Right. And that's when you do those musical elements. Yeah. Because then it becomes like a calling card. Then it becomes like, oh, so-and-so just got this thing to happen on the machine. I heard it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And well, and then it's interesting to me because like, I don't know if you've ever read Inside the Score. It's like he analyzes um, Sammy Nastico and Bob Brookmeyer and Thad Jones. Mm-hmm. And they, he does these like diagrams. He's he's tracking the dynamics of a, of a, like a specific, it's like, Four bars of this, yeah. eight bars, eight bars, eight bars. And you can see the peak, like mm. it has the most energy right here because this is the climax. It's yeah, like a yeah. film. Like you could track a film the same way, you could track a story the same way. Yeah. Um, and so I find it interesting, like certain like slot elements, you would have like if they hit this thing, it's like this uh, bonus or whatever is going to be mm. less than this other bonus kind as of thing. As far as energy, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you're, you're taking in those things mm. into consideration when yeah. you're designing that stuff. I find that so cool. Like, and and it, it's weird though because I feel like at, at least in Konami, we're more worried about that than a lot of competitors yeah. are. Yeah. A lot of stuff is like really loud on the floor. 
just just loud for the sake of being just, loud. Yeah, you know? just be louder than the other person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and you know our boss is is very much like don't annoy the player. You know, don't mm-hmm. like everything is important. Yeah, even the real sand stop, the sand. edges. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and plus you have cabinets now that are jacked up with these massive yeah. speakers at yeah. least sometimes but that's a good question like mm. so like from your time starting which was when did you start at konami uh 2016 for me 2016 yeah. 2018 or 2018, 2017 yeah. actually yeah because okay. you were the year after me yeah <clears throat> they probably just keep getting bigger and bigger right like, the cabinet size yeah yeah audio has improved in the last three years quite a bit yeah yeah in the three okay three yeah, it hasn't been very long interesting Right before the pandemic, yeah. you had these cabinets that were like overpowered. Like, well, and I was texting you during G2E as a conference out here for slot machine stuff because mm. you know what people. Um, <laughs> great, great, plug. People. great plug i do ads too anyone listening uh, but uh you i had texted you saying are you here um and you were like no but blah 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 and then you were like, go check out the Squid Game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> machine. Squid I was like, okay, it. cool. Uh, I think, it, what, is that Aristocrat? Or is that Light and uh, Wonder? Light and Wonder. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I walk over there. It's like up to the feet ceiling. Tall. Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> it's this massive yeah. thing with like subwoofers and shit. And yeah. it's like, it's interesting too because like you, I, I'm operating in the world where, you know, everything's digital. We're, we're shipping like a mobile game that's, um, it's just a mobile game. It's going to go on Google play and Apple store and that's it. And, yeah. But then like to think about a, a single game to work on that is, has all this physical infrastructure yeah. like added to it. And they're mm-hmm. like, it's yeah, it's really nice. Like, especially like towards the end of a project being able to refine the sound because of the cabinet. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that's the coolest thing. I think. Do you, do you have like a mixing phase? Is there like a post production kind of like phase of what you're doing? How do they put you in front of the machine? For the most part, they're updated, and we can kind of, as you go, like, tweak things. Oh, so wait. So you have, like, a a cabinet that they then load in games to. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Most times, I should say. Because there's stuff we do for Japan. (laughs) It's picturing a truck, like, pulling up, and it's like, the squid game is here. Let's go go see what it sounds like. Uh, That's not what it is. I mean, there's sometimes we do stuff for Australia and, and Japan, and we don't even get to. Yeah, you never see it's, it. Yeah. It's gone. But then, know? like, someone else would be mixing it, probably, right? Like, are you sending them stems Some of it. in any way? Or are you uh, sending them We're like... usually doing, like, content for Japan, and there's a sound designer doing implementation. Okay. It's such a skeleton crew. Yeah. It's a very light crew. Okay. Um, but they're very nimble, and they actually do a lot. Their output is really high for the crew they have. I, I imagine they're, so. Yeah. They're really, yeah. We covered Konami. We talked about that. I'm going to back up just for a second because I was looking. I was researching you, Dan. After Ringling, you freelance as a bass player, including a stint with the Squonk Opera. Is that correct? That is correct, okay. yeah. This was the contract you went and, like, did in china right? i went to china yeah. you went to china yeah so went on their website and they have all these like paper mache hands and like these elaborate like it's a drummer on like a big like rig thing that like moves around when he plays mm-hmm. how did that come about and what was that experience like there they had a, a bass player who played with them he did not like going overseas he, he did not like uh traveling that okay. far <clears throat> all right um so jeremy 
called me up and said, hey, uh, I play with Squonk and we're going to China. And I'm like, yes, I'm going immediately. <clears throat> you were like, what do those words mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Squonk, um, they send me videos so I can study up. Because basically what we're going to do is just go to China and play the show for a month. I have never played with these people ever in my yeah. entire life. So it was like every day before work, before my construction job, yeah. rehearse everything. Yeah. After, rehearse everything. And I did this for, the, thankfully they gave me like, I think it was maybe a couple weeks or something before uh, we went out. First time meeting these people is at the airport as yeah. I'm going to China. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's for like, the first time. Like you've it, never been to China at this ne- point. Right? Never been to China. Yeah. No. Yeah, just meet these people and get on the plane, go to China. We basically have zero time to rehearse whatsoever. Yeah. It's like, get up on stage, put this helmet thing, make sure it inflates, everything's good, okay. And then and then we play the show. So I'm... Su- <laughs> Back up. What's <laughs> <laughs> the inflatable thing? What? What's so that? there's a portion of the uh, the show. Okay. Um, with, uh, basically, the, the show is themed around air and inflatable, so it's... Is, is that what the hands are? They inflate? Because they look the like balloons. paper mache I think, or yeah, something. Yeah, I think oh, they're, they're inflatable, in, yeah. Okay, that, okay. Um, so I basically had this helmet that I had to put over my head to, like, while I'm playing bass. Yeah. Uh, there's a point in the song where this thing inflates, and it's maybe a... I would guess 15 foot tall inflatable spike that comes oh off the top of my head. But the, because it, I never rehearsed it. I didn't know like the mechanics of it. Right. So when it inflated, like it shot out directly and like, <laughs> it was like touching uh, Jackie, who's like a, one of the, one of the founders and uh, keyboard players in yeah, the show. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, <laughs> like touching everyone. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. Um, like, they so, like didn't give you like training on this weird inflatable I, they, spike. They did, but there was like I I didn't want to take time away from like sound check and everything like that. I'm okay, like, yeah. I'll, t- I'll just put the thing on and we'll do it. It's, it's fine. I'll just do it during the show. Fucking fucking and Hollywood whatever. mentality, man. It's like I don't want to be the one that slows anyone down, yeah. man. I'm gonna just do it. Did somebody like make that happen, or did you have to push a button or something? Or it just happened. It just yeah. Happened. Whoa. Yeah, so it, I don't rem- recall the specific time of wow. whatever <laughs> happened. Touching but yeah, so like it, sh- it shoots out directly. It's like touching people. I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's awesome. There's all these points where you, all these checkpoints you reached where 100 people quit and then 50 people quit and then 20 people quit. You mm-hmm. didn't quit and you kept going and you reached point where you could do this job that job and then that other job and then which leads me into gabe who uh you transitioned from performing with ringling to Mm. you you were doing more uh music production and like programming and sound design and stuff with feld yeah is that right so like did you transition fully or was like you're kind of doing it on the side so going from playing piano to like more technical stuff it was expected that you you were going to program your rig on tour and a, a majority of people that play shows don't do that. They don't really know more than like kind of the basics of how the instrument works. Like the Broadway guys, they are just readers. Yeah. Like they just want a next button and that's it. Or a pedal if, if possible. And with Ringling, it was like, well, every two years you're going to like rebuild the oh, entire sure. rig. Right. Yeah. And so, why why is that? Because of new shit that's coming out, or yeah, is that, like yeah. well, new show, and then also like it's new gear every yeah, tour. Okay, so it's not going to be the same you right. know, thing. Yeah, 
going into that gig, I I had limited knowledge of programming since I wasn't like the synth guy. I was like the heavy handed bar piano guy. Right. And like didn't fuck with Rollins or whatever. I had this Elisis, you know, whatever. Just completely like had to learn this new way. Yeah. But then realized that like the other guys on these shows weren't really doing the same thing. And so after that first run, it was like I was the guy programming my my stuff all the time and yeah. helping with whatever. Yeah. And so when we when there was that transition of I'm leaving, you know, the music director for all shows was like, hey, how about you stick around for like the first two weeks of show build and help with like programming and stuff. Hmm. So I was doing that. And two weeks became like the full build of the show because it was like, can you do this? Can you do that? And mm. and uh, with with that, that was around that was two thousand six. So the technology of the shows changed completely. Like so, our backing tracks prior to that were like the three sixty system, um, hot button you know, play. And it was like, basically the left channel was a cowbell and the right channel was backing vocals. And that was it. Okay. And so we would get both or just cowbell and the house got the vocals. Okay. And that was your click track basically. Okay. Yeah. And for this new show, it was such a a bigger production that, uh, the composer, uh, Michael Picton, who came from like Cirque, it's like, we, you know, we really need sweetener tracks. Like, there's a lot happening, you know. Right, yeah. And we're going to make this band sound, like, huge. And so, between him and I, we, f- we were figuring out how to make a multi-track thing happen. And okay. it ended up becoming Ableton Live. Yeah. And so, like, we did that, and it worked. And then I w- went off and worked with Open Labs, which was, like, a keyboard company. Yeah. And when it came time to do the next show build... Got the phone call. And it, and it was kind of a joke for the first couple of times. It was like the director was like, ah, I think probably only need you for like two weeks. And then it'd be the whole run. Yeah. By the third time, it was like, you're going to come back? You want to come back and do the, yeah. the whole thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. it became like a real contract. And you, if you listen to tapes of the band in 2005 and, and then 2006, yeah, a completely different sound. Interesting. Like, yeah. It sounds, it's very much like... Oh yeah, I hear that. That's like nine guys playing, yeah. and then that next year, it's like, what the fuck is this? It's like twenty million musicians playing. Like there's so, but yeah, it got so much more technical, and eventually it was like, my gig grew from you're gonna program the synth to make them sound like the demo to you're gonna like work with the arranger to yeah. like figure out who can play what to sound like the demo. Interesting. To like. We're going to use Mac minis and uh, main stage and you need to figure out an AB rig that won't crash. And like, we're going to make whatever the composer writes just exactly sound like what keyboardists are playing, stuff like that, you know? And the cool thing about that music department was that we were always of the mindset of the least amount of stuff on track is the best because like these, these guys, we have to make it so that it's, you know, stupid obvious that without this band, it's not going to work. Yeah. And for a lot of stuff with circus, you can't use a track. Like you could have. Well, yeah. Cause of the flexibility of a live show. Yeah. You can't, you have to be able to adapt to somebody taking, maybe stumbling for a second and resetting. Yeah. Or, or you even, know, oh, in yeah. live animal acts. Like, yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like they yeah. don't even, 
Yeah. They don't even have human brains. (laughs) (laughs) No, but... That's yeah okay no so, continue I have what, nothing to contribute. But there. it basically what what it does is like it makes you think about like how how much stuff can you put on a, a musician you know yeah. that isn't gonna like kill him yeah right like I, they're gonna do like nine shows in a row like yeah. three over three days like and so you're you're figuring out all right well you've got two keyboard players uh, maybe a guitarist with a MIDI pickup if you're lucky yeah and a drummer with an S- SPDX pad. It's like, how can I spread some of this random ass shit in this composer's, you know, session? Because at that point, the, the compositions were eclipsing what the band could do. Yeah. Because they're selling, like, an, you know, movie music at this point. And so yeah. it's like, all right, well, I can, you know, I've got this much memory on uh, basically four keyboards, right? Yeah. If we really need these Hans Zimmer French horns, we could sample them. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So like it's like how much memory you want to like give up, right. you know. Um and then it's like well we got Tycho shit, all right? The drummer could play it or he could trigger a loop because he's also got to play time and catch tricks and you know whatever else. Well, and we're not hiring a Tycho player. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we're not yeah. So between like the keyboards and the drummers it was like octopus you know you're like yeah i'm playing this and i'm hitting the trigger pad to do like this weird like ethereal thing and then the drummer's like playing time catching a trick and also the next loop that happens there's always like a loop coming so it got real intricate and we had to like create our own like uh music uh notation too yeah yeah, there was some there was some cool like uh experiments in notation between like like four or five of us like yeah. Now, like that, that each of you would be able to read on your own or with other people, or what do you mean? Like the idea was to create a system that if somebody came in and had the sub, especially on the keyboard book, okay, it wouldn't be terrible. Right. Right. Yeah. So, like, you would have a note, like if it was something for a, a pad, right? You would have a note and a box, and it would just say B and a number or T and a number, which meant bottom keyboard or top. And it okay. was the number of the pad. Okay. Stuff like that. Or yeah. like phrases, you know, like, so when I... When but that's I, like written in the music that they're reading. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I started, we didn't have that. It was like just the notes and yeah. the name of the sound. Right. Yeah. And it was like, well, if you don't know the rig, you're fucked. And yeah. so like with, with eventually the system became like, you'd have these boxes that said top or bottom. Yeah. And you could, you would know, oh, that's the top keyboard. And it was always, it was written at where the note was. And a lot of times it would sound, you know, different octave, but it was always, if you, if you were to read and not have headphones on, like the, the goal was if you couldn't hear what was going on and you at least knew the tempo, you could play the book. Yeah. Eventually it was like a really good system. Uh, You're both very remarkable people that you've Uh you've adapted. People can find your album at graybagmusic.com. You can um, either order... (laughs) Order the album, or you could drive to Gabe's house. You can drive to my house. <laughs> Actually, like the vinyl is on Bandcamp. The album is called Never Meant to Stay. There's, there's good shit on it. I like it as a horn player because there's horns on it. Uh, I haven't heard it yet. I've played the songs because we yeah. jammed here at your house earlier uh, this year, last year. Uh, Graybag.com. Uh, what, else, what else can we plug? What else would you want anyone else to hear? Uh... You got some stuff, Dan? I don't <laughs> want anyone to 
uh, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to OnlyDans.com. <laughs> Never go there. Yeah. OnlyDans.com. Graybagmusic.com. Uh, one of those will give you a, a really nice vinyl that you can add to your collection. Anyway, uh, uh, Dan Glenn, Gabe Romero, thank you so much. A big elephant-sized thank you to Dan Glenn and Gabe Romero for being my guests today. Please go and check out their album, Never Meant to Stay, available on Bandcamp or at graybagmusic.com, both of which are linked in the show notes. I leave you now with a song off of that album, Bottom of the Ocean. I'm going to take this zip line to the next episode. All right, strap myself in here, and a little clippy, and a little clippy. See ya. Oh, <laughs>